Hive Mind. I'm Meg, and I'm here in studio with Eli. Hey, Eli. Hi. And special guest, Rebby Grosbeck. Hey, Rebby, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks so much for being here. You're so welcome. Rebby, what have you been watching? Um, I have been watching, okay, I've gotten caught up on Ted Lasso, season two. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you guys watched it? I am. I just watched the Christmas episode. Okay, yeah. It's actually better than I, I kind of, after season one, I was like, I don't really know where this is going to go, but I've actually liked. Okay. It's gone. Yeah. I loved it. I feel like it's like the only thing I want to watch. It's just wholesome and happy and it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But somebody told me Ted Lasso season two gets, so I had a hard time with season one because it was like a little too cheesy for me. Yeah. And somebody told me just go to season two. It's a little darker. Yeah. Is that true? Absolutely. Okay. I think they find it's like characters. They're just creating depth in all the characters and okay. adding like themes that are a little bit like, okay, why is Ted the way he is? Because no one is actually like that. Right. Right. So I actually like, I feel like you're getting characters you maybe didn't like in season one. You're getting to like humanize them a little bit. And then characters, I don't want to spoil it, but that I really liked in season one are having like darker moments where you're like, oh, wait, maybe I don't like this person. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I've liked it a lot, but also I feel like that show, I'm just like, I'm not in a place to be critical about that show. It's just like something like wholesome and- I get it. It's like my in-laws came to town. I remember before I had watched it, people talked about how like this was the show that was going to bring the world together. And like I haven't watched a ton of TV with my in-laws. I don't think they typically watch something with like as many as much language as this. But they're like, "Have you guys watched Ted Lasso yet? We'll watch it again with you." Really? Like, we watched it together, and it was great. And like, just comforting for a lot of people. It, yeah. Honestly, it, it it feels like what the Shit's Creek was mm-hmm. like a couple of years ago. It's yeah. sort of like replaced that for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've liked it. But okay. Yeah, nothing like groundbreaking, but okay. Yeah, it's a good one. Awesome, Eli. What have you been watching? Well, Meg, on, was it Sunday? I went to a party with you. Was it Sunday? It was Sunday. And I watched the first, well, I didn't watch the you first. Didn't. <laughs> I was the only person in that party. Okay, so I went it. to a party with Meg and a lot of other people um, where they played the first episode of season two, episode one of the first, uh, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And Meg sat on the couch watching it while everyone else was like chatting in the background. And I could tell Meg was frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Like she had like this kind of like the body language of frustration. (laughs) And the thing is, like, I actually was kind of excited to watch it. But like once it started and I realized everyone was mingling, I was like, I kind of I kind of want to mingle more than watch this. Yeah. Which I get that that wasn't what you wanted. I told you after that if that had been a survivor party, like I would have been so upset. Let me be clear. The party was so fun. It was so fun. (laughs) But the episode was so good that I was more, I more wanted to watch TV than have fun. Yeah. Okay. So as someone who only kind of saw it. I thought episode one was all, was going to be like solely about the arrest of Jen Shaw. Eli, that will be at the end of the season. Uh, I'm sorry. Really? You you know reality TV. I know. I didn't know that. Okay, so so they're gonna just like lead us up to that. Wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But everyone already knows. Yeah, but 
do yeah. I want to watch it happen? For sure. <laughs> Even though I already know. <laughs> Rebby, I was at lunch with you when that news broke. Mm. I remember that. Because you like... I will always bowls. remember that day. <laughs> when I pulled out my Such phone, I was like... <gasps> That's so funny. Well, mostly I wanted to know what your experience was at that party. No, I was really fun. I had a great time at the party. I did go home and rewatch the episode. I know, because like halfway through, you you said to me, you like whispered to me, I'm going to have to go watch this at home. (laughs) And I was like, I get it. I get it. Like, no one is here. Like, everyone came here on the pretense that like, we're all here to watch the show together. And then no one watched it except for Meg. Yeah, that's kind of surprising to me. I feel like reality shows are like, I can only watch them in a group of people. I would think that would be something that people would be like, we want to watch. Like, you well, have mental capacity. For people it. were just excited to see each yeah. other and there was yeah. delicious food yeah. and there was a bartender. And we're post-COVID. Was fun, yeah. And it was outdoors too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. so like yeah. there was more space than you would normally have. And so people were just kind of spreading out yeah. and like, well, whatever. There's like a tiny TV up there doing a thing on the patio, okay. um, which, which was fine. But like, it, like my only reality TV show is Survivor. And I don't host parties about Survivor for this reason. Like I have two friends that are like into it like I am and we watch it together because we will watch in silence. And if like anybody is like, can I come watch it with you? I'm always like, I don't know. Will you be quiet? Like I like won't let them come if they're not going to be. So I was watching Meg during this and I was like, poor Meg. I hope she didn't have (laughs) different expectations. Sunny threw such a great party. I had such a great time. But I almost was like, you don't want me there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've had the same experience where people are like, you watch The Bachelor? Let's get together and watch The Bachelor. I'm like, well, I'm going to be taking notes like, the I'm, whole time. I'm serious about this. So, yeah. no, we yeah. shouldn't. That's a bad idea yeah. because I'm the worst and I'll yell at you if you talk. <laughs> okay, so number two, I have watched the Dear Evan Hansen trailer. Oh my gosh. 300 times. Did you read the review? I think it was yes. in Vanity Fair. It's so funny. It's all about how this person is 100 years old and he's playing a 16 year old. And like, for some reason, we let a lot of TV shows get away with this. But like, for some reason, Dear Evan Hansen, the movie feels different. I think it's because he insisted on playing the part. He did. I I, didn't know that. I think he's a producer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he looks he's like our age. He honestly, right? Rebby, I, I think he's like 28 or 29. 28. But he honestly looks 40. older than me. Yeah. Like I'm 37. And like I was watching him in the preview and I was like, I think I could be a high school student <laughs> before he could. And so he's like walking down the halls and he's like crying and he's like, blah, 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 singing. And, it, and he's walking down the halls and I'm like, no, you have a kid who's in high school. Uh, like there's no, you're not in high school. It very much is like a, what's his face on 30 Rock? Like, how do you do fellow kids? Yeah. It's the exact same energy. <laughs> it really is. Like Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Steve Buscemi. And so like Friday Night Lights had notoriously had like 28, 29, 30 year olds playing high school students, but they all looked young. Yeah. And we were all like, yeah, you you're didn't obvi- know them. You didn't. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't know them. And it was like, you're obviously not like 16, but like, we'll go with this. But watching this preview, I'm like, we have crossed a line here. And so, <laughs> so I saw like some articles about um, versions of the movie where they like, Photoshop him to look younger. Yeah. Have you seen this? Yeah, they use the the Irishman technology to de-age his face. Oh. And it looks 
terrible. If cats taught us anything, it's that <laughs> don't do this. Computer intervention, more computer intervention, is always a bad idea. Well, okay. I hope they and put a tail out of his butt. Oh <laughs> and don't you also think at this point you just know Ben Platt? Like it's it would be distracting even yeah. if he looked young because you right. know him, you know he wrote it, you know like. You watched him in Pitch Perfect like you've been with him all these years. Like, it's just not I I don't feel like I would believe it. Let him play one of the parents. Yeah, at this point. totally. Like, he doesn't need to be the high school kid. So I'm nervous about it. I saw Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Everyone's obsessed with this. I was kind of like eh, B minus. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't love it as much. But I think partly because I'm like too old to get into teenage angst. Mm. And it's like a yeah, show about teenage angst yeah. yeah it like really is and so i was kind of like uh, whatever like this this could all be resolved with one conversation and you know like whenever i see a plot like that and i'm always frustrated and so i'm a little bit nervous about the movie um already and then add to it the ben platt of it all but like obviously we're gonna watch it of course of course we're gonna watch did it. you see him at the met gala it was pretty amazing what did he do um he wore like this denim jacket and bell bottoms and like platform shoes it okay good. It he looks like, like one of the bgs yeah it was great it was it was a good how do we point. feel about the met gala <laughs> underwhelmed i like it i like it as a concept i mean people are very mad about it right now but i'm just kind of like that's eh, fun i don't know it's who cares fun. i feel like for so long not doing it i kind of wanted them to just like dial it to a thousand like, really? i felt like i don't know i felt like the theme just like americana it was like aren't we over America right now? They've, I mean, no. yeah. <laughs> Just yes, like, that. And they've never had a, a solid theme. The theme's always like, what inspires you? So yeah. like, no, make the theme cowboys, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, just go hard on yeah. it. Yeah. It was Meg, fine. what have you been watching? Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> I have been watching Impeachment on FX oh. about Monica Lewinsky. <gasps> How is it? Amy Feldstein? Is this Ryan Murphy? It is Ryan Murphy. Speaking of Ben Platt. Yes. And it feels like Ryan Murphy, but it's the Ryan Murphy um, American Crime, yeah. which is the Ryan Murphy vein that I can do. There are things about it where I roll my eyes. He's given the woman who plays um, Paula Jones a prosthetic nose because Paula Jones had like a right. very distinct nose, but we don't need that. We we understand who the character is. She doesn't have to look exactly like her. And Sarah Paulson is playing Linda Tripp and they like put her in like a fat suit and change her oh. face. And again, I'm like, no, you don't. She doesn't have to look exactly like her. Like, this is what actors do. They play characters right. and for, okay. they gave Clive Owen like a different nose. And it's like, no, just, it's distracting. Right. It's kind of sleepy. It's slower pace than I would like. I think Beanie Feldstein is doing a really good job as oh, Monica Lewinsky. She's Monica Lew- Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. And actually, Sarah Paulson's doing a really good job as Linda Tripp. Uh, it's just taking its time. So it's a series. It's I don't a know series. America Crime Story. So have you watched the prior two seasons? I watched the OJ one. I didn't watch the uh, Versace. So I tried the OJ one and couldn't do it. Partly. Everyone loved it. It was so cheesy. I liked it a lot. A lot of my my parents loved it, it, but I thought it was kind of cheesy. And I think part of it is like, I'm a little bit done with that story. Like, I don't need any more OJ Simpson news in my life. And I kept, I like kept trying to watch it, and I was just like, I don't care about this anymore. Um, the Versace one is pretty good. Okay. Um, I don't love Darren Chris. 
and mm. I hate Ryan Murphy, but mm-hmm. I was like compelled enough to watch it. So I'm curious about this one. But I, I think I might be done with Monica Lewinsky as well. Like, you know what? If you really want to hear about it, Slow Burn. Yeah. Season two did such a good job covering yeah. that impeachment and the events leading up to it. Watching this makes me just want to go re-listen to the podcast. Okay. I'm in it now. I'm going to finish it. But I don't know if I give it a recommend yet. What is the perspective of the Clintons in it? Yeah. I've wondered that too. We've only seen Hillary once. Edie Falco plays Hillary, which is fun. Edie Falco, who is that? Um, She was on The Sopranos and... She had like a network show for a long time. Nurse Jackie. Or Nurse Jackie. Oh, yeah. yeah. On 30 Rock. Yeah. She's Cecily, no, Cece, whose dog, the do- neighbor dog shot her in the face. Okay. So she got a better face. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So she's Hillary Clinton. I mean, it's very much like Bill Clinton's a creep, which yeah. is accurate. Yeah. I'd say it's very pro Monica Lewinsky and very anti Linda Tripp. Um, we're in the age that we're trying to redeem Monica Lewinsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Um, it's very like its biases are showing like it's painting Republicans to be idiots. And it's easy to do right now. But like yeah. 90s Republicans. Yeah. Um, it's very Ryan Murphy. It's very Ryan Murphy. OK, so I'll keep watching it. Um, and then I watched Lula Rich. Oh my boy, goodness. oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so tell me what the reaction to this, what you've seen on social media. Because I've been surprised by the reaction that I've seen. Oh, okay. Rebby? I don't feel like I have been that surprised. I don't feel like I was that surprised also even really by the documentary. Like, it was worse than I knew, but I knew it was bad. Yeah. I know. I'm curious what you've huh. been surprised by. I have been surprised that some people <laughs> for the first time are saying, wow, MLMs are bad. <gasps> I thought this was a thing that we all knew and accepted. What? And I thought Lula Rowe specifically, we all knew, yeah. was especially predatory. But this seems to be a major revelation what, to what some is, people. What is your experience with Lula Rowe? Because I did not know this company prior to watching So I this. think you and I both read an in-depth article about it and about how she was Mormon, which is like embarrassing, yeah. and how big of a train wreck this was, and that she had employed all of her family members, and that people were losing tons of money which is the typical mlm story but it seemed hyperbolic okay yeah i mean i feel like i just have to say because this is my thought mostly through the whole series was whoever was buying this much clothing that was that hideous (laughs) because i just don't i don't remember an era of style that looked like that like i don't i certainly remember remember maxi skirts but i do not remember even knowing people who wore clothes like this but i feel like i mean I always approach this right from I've mostly talked about MLMs on Mormons and media. And Mm -hmm. I think people when this trailer came out, I posted it and I got a ton of responses and just, you know, asking about MLMs. People have such, such strong feelings about it. But I'm wondering if I think you watch this show differently if you have a connection to a Mormon and or a Utah culture. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you're talking about like mainstream things you've seen or like people in your immediate circle, because I think it's I think it's different. I think my immediate circle, it, like people I follow, hmm. right? Yeah. So we, we, I think all understand that like for some reason, MLMs like infiltrate the Mormon communities more than like other communities. 
generally, I right? I mean, I think we know the reasons. Tell me, what are the reasons? Like, why is that the case? In my opinion, and Rebby can probably speak to this better than I can, we're very trusting of our friends and neighbors who come to us with ideas and investment opportunities. We typically, as females, stay at home and want to be able to make money from home and MLMs make it seem easy. And we, I don't know, I don't think I have a third reason. What are your reasons? I mean, I would say, I think it's interesting watching this because I think the concept of prosperity gospel, right, is certainly not unique to Mormons. There are lots of Southern religions that are yeah. that, right? Take like Joel Osteen or any of these like big church, like Texan pastors, like that's a thing for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think what was sad about it was that to me, the connection between, I mean, for sure, it's huge in Mormonism, prosperity gospel, but I think what's sad to me is that the connection I see between those two religions, other than they're both Christian, is the demographic similarities, right? It's that you have young moms, single income families with multiple kids. Mm. And I think it just creates this kind of desperate situation or this, you know, unfulfilled need that women have. Um, and then and so they turn to really terrible ways of trying to <laughs> make money and or do something fulfilling but I think the uh, one thing I might add to yours is in one of these Mormons and Media discussions, um, I had one per- person who commented and said that she thinks maybe the issue is that we don't have boundaries. And so she's like, I think I always I used to see it as like, oh, it's so annoying when friends come to you and push this stuff. But she's like, then I just realized, like, I could just say, no, I'm not interested. And then that would go away, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I think part of it, too, is that we're groomed to say yes to a lot of things like yes, I will be the primary president. I'd love to, you know, you don't really want to do that. But like, I think we're just maybe used to, there's some weird cultural pressure to like, be nice. I don't know. Yeah. Be nice. Say yes. Don't say no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Every time one of them reaches out on Facebook, which is often, do you still get stuff? I'm not really on Facebook anymore, but for a long time it was lip sense. Yeah. And then beach body. And it was always, Hey mama, I'm doing this thing. Wouldn't it be great if you could run your own business from home and make money from home and Mm. be your own boss? Can I sell you some lip sense? They wanted to sell lip sense, but more than that, they wanted me to become Mm -hmm. part of their downline. So, so much of watching this series was me trying to figure out because so they interview the founders, right? The the two, the husband and wife who like created this company who are, by the way, pretty charming. So charming. What? Like, I was okay. repulsed. Here's the thing, Meg. They're terrible people and we know that. And like, I, I, can, I can sit outside and be like, I'm going into this knowing that they created this MLM and they're terrible and I... I hated them, but I I kept like watching this and thinking, what if I didn't know what I know about MLMs? And what if I didn't believe what I believed? These are people who are good at communicating and they're good at putting on a smile and they're good at like, there's this scene where their son gets referenced who has like said some terrible things and they're like, oh, you would love him if you met him. And I like for a second, I was like, Oh, they're such good parents. And I was like, no, these people are shit. Like these people are terrible, but like they're charming. And I I get why a lot of vulnerable people showed up and were like lulled in and like pulled into this. I don't think they're charming. I think they're the kind of people where you feel special if they're paying attention to you. Yeah. But what is that then? If it's not charm, what is that? 
Yeah. I mean, arrogance. I'd say it's arrogance. So I felt like, okay, watching, it was interesting because he always was kind of disgusting to me. Mm-hmm. But she, I couldn't help, like, I just kind of loved her. And it reminded me weirdly of, do you remember the whole Theranos thing with Elizabeth? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. So weirdly, as I watched that, I kind of like fell in love with Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> because I was like, I knew she was terrible. And I was like, just watching this yeah. woman create chaos in a way we never see women creating chaos with really super wealthy investors in this business, in this tech world, right? Like I was kind of like in this very anti-hero way. I was like, I love like rooting for this woman kind of if, if at the end she had come out and been like, Hey guys, I was just trying to like, you know, make fools of you all. It would have been great. But I, (laughs) I was wondering if maybe with what's her name, Deanne, Mm. I think, that's the LuLaRoe woman. I think it's anyway, yeah, Deanne. Yeah, I think watching her, I was wondering, okay, is that a similar thing? I think it's that she was shameless, and I think there's something mm. about watching a shameless woman that is refreshing, even if it's like horrifying. The things she's shameless about, yeah, I like couldn't help but be like, have like a hint of respect. I don't know if it's even respect. I don't know what it is. I just had this reaction, and I'm trying to understand. I had the exact opposite. I was just, so I think. She was playing it a dum dum the whole time. In oh. all of her answers, she was totally. acting far that stupider kind of than she is. <laughs> it made me laugh, but it made me really upset yeah. at the same I, time. So irresponsible. Just yeah, I don't know the address of the building. Like what? Yeah, I, I feel like I had a combination of your reactions because, like, on the one hand, I would hear yeah. her talk and I would be like, "Oh, this is an accomplished woman who figured out how to like yeah. have this huge impact on the world." But then I know that she's doing an MLM. And so I'm just like, you're terrible. Like, well, you're taking advantage of people. Her f- the first part of her story where she's making maxi skirts and selling them to people because people wanted them. Yeah, cool. great. Totally good for her. Where yeah. that? I wore tons of maxi skirts in 2013. Go get them. Yeah. As soon as they made it a downline. Yeah distributor model they right. knew what they were doing and they acted like they invented mm-hmm. mlm this is this was part of the like kind of thing that i was trying to work through while watching this is they they keep describing their business and it sounds legitimate because they're just like all we're doing is we're selling wholesale to people and we're letting them sell our product and we think our product is great and a lot of them are making money off of this and i would hear that and i'd be like yeah, what's so wrong with this? Why are we being so critical? And then I had to keep reminding myself, well, the reason why it's falling apart is you're now giving them bonuses for signing up other people. Like that's where it falls apart. Did you listen to the podcast, The Dream? Yes. I really, I think often about the example she shares in the first episode of that game people played in the 70s called Airplane (laughs) and how you just never knew who was at the bottom, who was at the back. And you just kept getting the benefits of being at the front and someone was always losing in the back. And this documentary, better than any other MLM explanation I've seen, really explained why they're predatory. Because there are always people on the bottom who are having to deal with the consequences of the people at the top preying on their vulnerability. Right. Right. Yeah, I was curious. Did you guys think, because again, anything with a connection to Mormonism, I'm terrified of um but i didn't feel as cringy watching this i'm wondering if you guys watching it because certainly you know they linked them to mormonism and then they leaked lularoe to a cult yeah i'm curious if you guys felt like it was overtly trying to tie 
those things together. No, I, didn't, I didn't. Okay, I didn't really think that. I was like, yeah. am I in denial? He or did, is this? He did remind me of every second counselor oh, and every bishop. Oh, right. Yeah, second counselor specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, he has a goatee, so he's kind of edgy. Yeah, he's the edgy one who you'll do interviews with, and you're like, I, now wait, what? I oh. went in. I went into this thinking that there were going to be way more Mormon connections. Yeah. And it was it was subtle enough that if I hadn't had a Mormon background, yeah. like if my husband watched this, I think he would have barely noticed it. It helped too that there was also that really nice couple who were also yeah. Mormon that saw the light and yeah, that were victims. Yeah, I okay. So this was just the one thing that I I wanted to ask what you guys thought about um, early on when he claims Mormonism or when he talks about it. Right, he said something like, um, "We believe in." The principle of self-reliance and that ultimately the universe is fair, which I was like, Ooh, yeah, that was okay, tough. The universe is fair. I could write like a whole thing about that. But yeah. but it was interesting because when we had originally talked about Lula Rich on Mormons and Media, someone shared something from this like President Oaks talk. That's like it was like directing or President Oaks tackles why Mormons fall for get rich quick schemes. And he basically said that it was a um, like a twisted version of self-reliance. And it's just weird because I had never, when I first read that, I was like, I don't think that's it. But then when he mentioned it again in the documentary, I was like, wait, is that it? So I'm curious what you guys think about it. A twisted version of self-reliance. So, what do you um, mean? The principle that we teach in Mormonism about like being a being self-reliant, right? Food okay. storage. Yeah. Like all the saving your Which money, all these things. I do, by the way. <laughs> Which I think is great. Yeah. You're the best Mormon at this time. I, I am honestly the best. <laughs> I, I, I don't go to church, but I am the best at food storage. <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious if, if you guys think that is why Mormons, I don't know. Do, do you think that's it? That it's go toward MLMs? Yeah. Well, it it does feel like MLMs prey on that idea. Like they go to Mormons and they're yeah. like, "Don't you want to start your own business and make your own money?" And yeah. like you women specifically who are in the home and you're raising your children, don't you want to help your families? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I kind of get it from that perspective. Yeah. It does feel like you can have your cake and eat it, too. Yes. You can be home with your kids, which you've been taught is the most important thing. But you can also yeah. help develop your financial independence and stability yeah. and it's, wealth as yeah. a family. It's like teaching self-reliance with none of the downsides. But one of the, the costs, I guess. One of the most I interesting aspects of the documentary was when they had the couples talking about how the company started pushing the wives oh. to retire get their husbands the husband? to retire their husbands. Which was like, so they, they were lured into this uh, from the perspective of like, you're just a stay-at-home mom doing what the Lord wants you to do. And you can start your own business and help support the family. And then as they do that, they're like, really, you should do well enough that your husband can retire and just support you and your business. And then they start pressuring them to pressure their husbands to retire. That was such a weird thing. And like the the way this company focused on trying to infiltrate relationships in marriages yes. and like pressure. Broke up two of them. Yeah. I and mean, like pressure them to like act in a way that they they wouldn't have naturally done because they figured out their dynamic in the marriage but now it's changed because this company this MLM has like put a different pressure on them is really weird and at one point didn't they say they actually wanted the husband to start making the business decisions it got to a point where yes. the woman yeah. should yes. turn over to the husband who is smarter yeah so and I was curious this is a, something we'll never have an answer for but I was curious what percentage of those men 
loved that their wives were suddenly bringing in all this extra income and what percentage of them were mm. emasculated by it. And I almost don't blame men in this culture for being emasculated by it because just as women are taught, like, right, stay with oh. your families, they're taught the most important thing is to provide. And I don't, I mean, I just thought that was interesting. And, that, and if your wife is staying home and she's taking care of the children and she's making the money, yeah, what, what, what are, are you, you doing? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. We'll never know. But I would like to. But like this company, it, from the documentary's perspective, was exploiting those vulnerabilities. Yeah. And like that's why a lot of these couples felt so much discomfort with this. I mean, one of the most interesting parts is when Mark, right, says that there's this giant force that's underutilized. These stay-at-home moms who are smart and educated and should be put to work. And I'm like, yes, they yeah. absolutely should. That's true. Not with yeah. you. No. So... Okay, no, finish your thought. No, I that's that's my thought. Like, they deserve fulfilling careers. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this. I'm having two diverting thoughts, but one is it, that was kind of mentioned again later by that journalist girl. She was, like, really cool. This, like, yeah, on the cool couch. The cool couch. With the, cat, with the painting. The cool life, yeah. yeah. Um, she said the same thing. She was talking about the type of woman, women that join LuLaRoe, and she's, like, they're involved in the PTA, they're involved in their communities, they are politically powerful. Like she said the same thing, right? Like these women are the biggest, un, I think she said like unrecognized like source of power. And I just got thinking about that. Like, so what should those women be recognized for? Or is the issue that we value recognition so much that we don't value what they do, right? Mm. Maybe if we valued the work it takes to keep a home running, then men would do more of it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but I just thought, because I've had that, that it was kind of the same sentiment expressed disgustingly by him and like truthfully by her. And I think I've had that same thought. Like, who do you know that is more like, I think motherhood gives you so many skills. Like you have to be so creative and resilient and hardworking and like all these things that would prepare you for a workforce. It's just, I don't know. What do you do with all that talent or do you need to do anything with it? I had a job interview, um, few months ago and he asked would you be okay with people interrupting you during the day and I said I'm home with my three children <laughs> yes like I do think that yeah motherhood is the most unrecognized unappreciated skill set and work done in America absolutely today. and I I feel like I have to look back at I mean I've only been a mom for less than two years and I feel like I look back with some embarrassment at how much I was like, women can work when they have kids. Like, what did I know about anything? <laughs> like, I did not know how hard it was. But I think that's been one of the most surprising takeaways for me is like, oh, no, it's not like working and being educated prepares you to have kids. It goes both ways. Like, mm. I truly think having kids, I don't know, it, it just forces you to I don't, learn so many skills that I see as being so valuable in, in the place. Yeah, in yeah. the workforce, 100%. But we're not giving women those opportunities because there's a lack of childcare and there's a lack of resources. And instead, they're getting into things like LuLaRoe because they want to feel like they're contributing. Yeah. Well, and like the, the structure that we have become accustomed to in society and especially in a Mormon community is that like that burden is put on mothers, Right. And so like there there aren't a lot of options like if if it was the case 
that parents felt like that equal kind of burden uh, in child rearing and staying home with the kids and so forth, then you might find some differences. You might find a lot more mothers uh, looking toward, you know, work opportunities that are different than MLMs provide. But like MLMs are looking at the structure and they're seeing, okay, we have a lot of conservative communities like in Utah or in the South or in the Midwest. And we've got a bunch of dudes who are going to be emasculated if they're not going out of the home and working all day. And so they have all these stay at home moms who are stressed out because they're managing the finances and it's not going well because their dudes aren't making enough money for them. So the only way we can reach them is to tell them you can help your man by taking on this job and this job will allow you to stay home. And so now they're getting sucked into this organization that's really manipulative and they just get pulled in and pulled in and pulled in and then it ends up being really hard on the entire family and most of them don't actually make any money right yeah and i think i think it starts even before that i think we've talked about this like i think in a mormon community it starts with the expectation not being that you will work it's Mm. it's maybe you'll work if you don't get married or if your husband dies (laughs) you don't like yeah and i feel like we've maybe we've talked about this but just I think it is, it makes me sad to see all these women, you know, going towards MLMs because you think maybe if they had been encouraged to graduate college and work for three years, have kids when you're 27, you can still have lots of kids, you know, then maybe that if that was the norm encouragement, right, they would have a resume that they could go back to after they had 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 kids. You know, I just think it's it's because it's not seen as, you know, you're you don't know that you're going to do it. It's kind of like a it's hard to plan on a career when you're like, well, I'll get maybe. married. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get married. Uh, not to make it about me, but for the last year, Stephen's been the primary parent in our household. Um, and I've had work that's taken me outside the home while he works at home. And I have had to unwrite a lot of scripts in my head. Mm. Um, last week, he took the girl's to a thing, a class that I had typically taken them to. And the guilt was crushing. And it Mm. was just these internalized ideas that my job is to be the mom and his job is to work. I think it's a very real thing. And I don't think it's specific to Mormonism either. I think it's been a cultural norm for a very long time. And we all have those ideas. It's a little exaggerated in Mormonism. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of religious cultures as well. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that 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 urge to want to have your cake and eat it too is very real. And I don't blame these women for taking advantage of what they thought was a good opportunity to bring in income and still be good moms. I I felt sad for them in the documentary, like in the episodes that you were watching them kind of talk about why they were drawn to it. And I kept thinking like, I would have been too in your situation. Like I, I, this is not one of these things where I'm watching the people who were talking about how they got into it and being like, you're so dumb. Yeah. Like, I, that was not I did my, not judge them. Not at all. <laughs> at I was just first, like, maybe. yeah, I was like, good for you that you tried um, this. And these people were terrible and manipulated you. I judged the patterns like. No, well, yeah. <laughs> but remember, OK, here. I also felt like there were a couple moments. The first few episodes, I just felt so deeply depressed for women in general because it's just so hard wanting to balance things. And like, I just related so hard to like just the struggle of, of wanting to do both things and being, I don't think it's having it all. I think it's splitting yourself in two. Yeah. Like that's mm. what it feels like. Mm. And um, at the moment where they're like, 
it showed like four different girls that were like, oh, the leggings were so soft. They're so comfortable. And I just was like, why do women have to wear such uncomfortable clothes? Like yeah. maybe if our jeans weren't so damn tight, yeah. we wouldn't have gone to these horrible leggings. You know, like, I just <laughs> felt like. I feel like every, like, uh, I don't know, angry feminist thought was going through my mind at that point. It brought a lot to the surface, this documentary. It totally did. I want to hear some of the other responses you got from people. Did you have people who were supporters of MLMs? Yes. So that is actually really, that was one of the first things I wanted to ask when we initially brought this up on Mormons in Media. I was like, okay, before I post all these, like, diatribes about MLMs, I was like, I want to hear from anyone who's had a positive experience. And I had one girl who reached out and she was like, me, I'm like kind of scared to talk about it. But she works for, it's Senegents. So it's the brand that does lip sense and all that makeup. Mm. Uh, But she's like, I got in like, honestly, not super early, but she's like, I just, and she actually brought up the inventory thing. She's like, the key is you can't get involved with one where you have to buy your inventory. And so I just thought that was interesting because that completely added up to you know, when you saw the LuLaRoe story. Meaning what what does she do? So she, I mean, she buys her inventory or maybe she just, you know how at LuLaRoe they were like, oh, you just got to buy another order. Yeah. And basically your bonus was based on how much the person below you bought, right? Yeah. Whether they sold it or not. So somehow the structure in her company is different where maybe they like give you inventory and then you pay for it once you sell it or something like that. Oh. But she just brought up... um that specifically and she said like I've been able to make a really good like you know income living off it and she's like I actually have a she had some stories saved on her page about like how to like do MLMs well and not well and I don't know I mean that was the only it was completely polarizing and a lot of people said like oh it's only good if you get in at the very beginning but I had another friend who pointed out like three of our friends who I think they all sell doTERRA but none of them got in at the beginning so I don't know. I think the worst stories are really, really bad. And I think mm-hmm. even in Lula, in Lula Rich, right, it went through what can make an MLM legal. And it sounds like there are some things that it's like, OK, it's, you know, not always. I don't know. I sound like I'm defending MLMs, but no, it showed you there might be some difference from company to company. Right. I th- just think LuLaRoe has none of them. Mm. But I mean, I think LuLaRoe grew very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and exponentially. And the cart got way ahead of the horse Mm. and you know, they made some bad choices, but I think a company like doTERRA, 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 they've been able to keep at it for a long time. And maybe there aren't people at the bottom who are, I don't want doTERRA. I don't like, I don't know. (laughs) You don't know. And I, so I thought that was another interesting just element to all of this is like, I've got a whole family of cousins that sell in the toothpaste, you know, like I, I, I know so many people personally. I would bet that all of us in this room know and or love someone personally who is involved in an MLM. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I'm like, sometimes I find myself after Lula Rowe, I was like, I need to call every one of them Lula Rich <laughs> and like, you know, campaign against this. Like, it's terrible. But I thought that was interesting. One person, um, I asked for some people's thoughts about the documentary specifically. And she wrote back and said, okay, this is weird, but I actually live in Corona. I know three of the of their kids. Mm. And she's like, it's really weird because they're all like actually really good, nice people. And I would never know that this is their family story. Mm. Huh. She's like, I have heard that, you know, one of them has talked about her mother-in-law like being a lot. But she's like, it was really hard for me to watch because I know them personally. And, you know, she's like, sure, like, I guess they have some eccentricities, but um, she's like, I just have known them always as like really good, nice people. So 
I think that's interesting too. Like we went to high school with a lot of people who were like new skin royalty mm-hmm. yeah. that were like really nice and cool. And like some of my good friends, like I just, what do you do when you're born into that family? Uh. I don't know. I think it's a really interesting thing. That's a big part of, of our community. Yeah. Utah County, especially. Mm. Yeah. It's a bummer. It is. <laughs> what, what did you, so I was really fascinated with there. They spent a lot of time on the weight loss issue. Yeah, with that Lula was Rich. Wild. And so so Deanne is pressuring um people who are high up in the company to go to Tijuana and get the sleeve. Is that what they called it? The gastric sleeve. The gastric sleeve. Yeah, I don't and really like, understand what that is. For Do what, you? I think it just shrinks it your stomach. Shrinks your stomach so that you can't eat very much. Okay. Yeah. And and she's telling them this and the perspective of the people who are like, yeah, she was trying to get us to do this is she wants the LuLaRoe people to look thin so that they can sell more so that it's more profitable for the company, even though the surgery in Tijuana might be dangerous. Yeah. And she, of course, kind of denied it and was like, I, I just I did it and I just told them if they wanted to, I could hook them up. Oh, yeah. You know, they come to me and they say, I hate myself. And so I say, okay, I'll help you. Yeah. Like, that's what I, she said. But they had text messages that they like yes. showed on screen yeah. that were like, no, this woman is clearly trying to force them to do this, which like that was kind of when it got to a point because they're interviewing this couple the entire time. And I was like, they're explaining how they're different than a pyramid scheme. And on some level, I kind of get it. It breaks down, it breaks apart a little bit when I realize that people are making bonuses off of other people signing up. Yeah, like that kind downline. of, that's what, like the downline issue is when it like falls apart for me where I'm like, if, it, if it's just a matter of like somebody buying wholesale product and then selling it, like that's fine. That That's normal business. But once you start making money off of your downline, that becomes insane to me. But once they started talking about like, trying to get these women to go to Tijuana to get a surgery. I was like, oh, this is a company that's not being run with any kind of like rational, you know, policy. As their whole spreadsheets. Like, and and this is an, ex- this is a company with so much money. And I was just like, how is the president of this company trying to get people to go to Tijuana to get a sleeve on their stomach? And not buying QuickBooks. It's, yeah. it's, it's just so wild. Yeah. How bad did you feel for Mario Lopez? Oh my God. Who they got on the cheap. And Katy Perry. And okay, the best oh. was that guy who's like, I never listened to Kelly Clarkson anymore. That guy, that guy <laughs> was a little nuts. Clark- like Kelly, Kelly Clarkson Clark- knows. Like As she cares. He, he, yeah. She has any idea. <laughs> that she even looked into it. I couldn't deal with that guy because he was just like, and I will never listen to Kelly Clarkson again because she came to one of the events yeah. and sang. And it was just like, she got paid to come yeah. sing. That guy was amazingly dramatic when he talks about wanting to watch them get arrested while sitting at the cantina. They loved him. The documentarians loved him. I loved him. him. I was like, just let this guy talk. He kind of explained himself when he's like, it's like so-and-so from Star Trek episode whatever says. (laughs) Got it. We know who you (laughs) are. I was like, all right. (laughs) You know who I loved? The designer who didn't give an F and she was just like, oh yeah. She She was was like, yeah, it wasn't great. I went back to bartending yeah, would I do this again? Probably not. Like she yeah. just oh, so Love. great. It, it was interesting. They brought they had that one woman that they interviewed a bunch who is still pro Lularoe. Yes, yeah, that was wild. Okay. And I, she was like, "I would still, I, I will do this for as long as the company is viable." Yeah, which, I, like, maybe she's one of these people who got in early, yeah. and it's just like, well, that explains it. Like, 
this has, this has been profitable for you because you were one of the people who benefits while thousands of others don't. But all the others were early. Like that girl yeah. who was number three in the company, right? Like she had nothing to lose. Like, But did she but, have more of a conscience? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I guess I that would be my one complaint um, with that in general is I didn't really realize to like halfway through that she was pro LuLaRoe. Okay. They didn't like do a very good job. And I, I thought that would have been almost more interesting is like, let's, let's hear from the people who are still in this. Yeah. Like, what is it for them? I could have done with another episode, I think. Yeah. I, I, when it ended, I felt like I didn't have enough. Like, yeah. and normally like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon documentaries, I always feel like go a couple of episodes too long. This was the opposite for me where it was like, we're done. Yeah. Give me how more. Do you, how do you think they got Mark and Deanne to do oh, this? They had they to have lied, have, right? Because you see their body language get like, as it goes, they get yeah. shifty and they're like, you see right. them realize, okay, what's this is what's happening. Yeah. Honestly, though, it was genius of them to do it. Oh, totally. Because I watched this thing and when it ended, I thought this was way more sympathetic to the MLM than it should have been. And it was only because... These two mm-hmm. relatively charming, charismatic people were explaining themselves. I don't know. They were pretty brutal with the cuts to the deposition. They'd they say were. things and then but, they but, cut but Matt, to them. They would have had the them anyway. They would have it's had the depositions the anyway. No, and I know, but I feel like they the were... contradiction. That's fine, but if they did, if they had not interviewed, there would have been no opportunity to explain. Like, this is why we were, this is all we were trying to do. But they did, I don't know, I guess I feel differently because they did not come off well in that interview. I just, I think if they had not interviewed, this would have been solely a, this company is of the devil. And every time they went to their interviews, I was like, they're going to give them another chance to explain. And that's what I felt. And like, but I never felt like they explained it well. No, I don't either, Meg. But people who are in MLMs, they're going to think that they explained it perfectly. They were going to bat for their people. Maybe There's a reason that they have been able to dupe so many people. Like all of the LuLaRue people are going to watch this thing. Like, I would love it if all of the people who are in this company could watch a documentary and be like, what are we doing? But they're going to watch this thing and they'll be like, yeah, they're being so unfair. And here are our heroes explaining why. Yeah, that is one thing my friend said too. She's like, I talked to a friend who still works for, or who just got out of LuLaRoe just for other reasons. And she's like, she said that she only felt like there was about 5% truth to the documentary. So I'm like, how do you, how the depositions were so damning. Like, yes, that was crazy. I'm curious from your perspective as a lawyer, and maybe this is like, Mm. I don't know, different from what you do. But I, I, I was curious, the MLM expert who said like, these lawsuits are not going to end in like they're going to end in settlements outside court. And he was like, until someone examines MLMs as a whole, mm. this is just political theater. Yeah. I don't know. I was just curious about that because I always I feel like, again, I know nothing. I'm like, well, they're going to they get they go to jail, right? If there's a lawsuit. But like, yeah, yeah. There was so There's so much support in in our political culture right now for MLMs because of money. And so like Republicans generally are, you know, they they draft laws and they create laws and they create protections for these kind of companies. And the dream that podcast talks actually a lot about that Mm -hmm. and about how like politicians have kind of gotten behind these and have protected them to a degree that like we wouldn't allow protection for most companies. But there have been some claims and they talked about them in the documentary Ryko claims that have been brought against the company, which are criminal claims. And you can pursue criminal claims against the company itself. And the consequences of 
being charged criminally and proven guilty is that you basically have to empty your bank accounts and pay out, you know, to the government, whatever it is that you're liable for. And the problem is in this case is all these people are trying to bring these claims and MLMs are just so complicated Mm. and they're able, just like in this documentary to explain like, well, we're not doing anything illegal. All we're doing is telling people, Hey, if you buy our product wholesale and then sell it, for profit, like good for you, you made some money. And we wanna we wanna give you an incentive to find other people to help you sell. So we're just gonna give you extra money. And it's like it's kind of hard to prosecute that prosecute that under mm-hmm. our current laws. You know, mm-hmm. and so that that's sort of the problem that we're running into. And there was that lawyer, that woman in Southern California who was trying to start a class action lawsuit. Um and they, they were ultimately unsuccessful. They couldn't yeah. classify the, the class because class action lawsuits are really difficult because you have to get a whole group of people and meet a bunch of burdens and show that, you know, all these people were damaged in a certain way and that you can identify who was damaged and so forth. And she tried to do that. And the courts ultimately, apparently were like, I, I, I don't know, like, we don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. It's an MLM. Like, there are so many of these mm-hmm. I was glad that one girl got her money. Yeah. Like she was like, all I'm allowed to say is yeah. both parties are satisfied. And I was yeah. like, Ugh, that sucks, but also like happy for you. Yeah. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought it was fascinating. Um, I, as a Mormon woman, it wasn't too hard for me to watch. I think that it's very palatable. Yeah. And not as cringy as some of the other. It wasn't the Mormon, Mormon stuff. It was the media. attempting to be a working mom stuff. Yeah, that was tough. I, I mean, I personally would like a documentary that's specifically about why are Mormons Absolutely. so susceptible to I this. I said that so many times. Yeah. But I want Jared Hess to make it. I want him to okay. do, I want him to go, what's it called? Murder Among the Mormons on it. Okay. So it's like someone we know and trust, but like also we know and trust. Who's going to be fair, but also yes, critical. Yes. Who yeah. has a friend <laughs> who's currently selling new skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we all have a friend currently. We all have a friend. We love those I just, friends. I mean, have you had, I, I have a friend who was somebody from my mission 20 years ago, who about three years ago, I saw her start posting on social media about her. And it's it's like tights for women. It's not LuLaRoe though. It's a different company. And it's become her whole life. And like all she talks about on social media is like, oh, come get these and I'm going to host a party and whatever. And it's like, Where's tight? I feel upset about it. Like I watch this and I'm just like, no, you don't have to do this. I yeah. think like there she must be something better. She doesn't have a college degree or, you know, maybe yeah. she does. I don't know. That's what I hate. If you want a part-time job, your options are made well, you know, like what are you going to do? I have to hope it will change but with just, people. Yeah, but I'm just like worried about her. Yeah. Because I'm like, is are you what just going to end up point? in this like yeah. bankrupt situation and are people taking advantage of you? And like, I'm fortunate as like this dude in our society that I've never had that pressure mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not judging or like criticizing her for it, but I'm watching it with stress yeah where I'm just like is somebody taking advantage of you like how is this happening yeah yeah into all our cousins and friends yeah <laughs> those parties are so awkward when I was in college my roommate her cousin asked if she could come to a Mary Kay party with us when we were 19 years old and she came over and she gave makeovers to all of us and she was ready to sell us all product. Oh, like, honey. I have $4. Yeah. 
this is the wrong this is the wrong treat you're yeah, parking I think at. my favorite response we got one that was like my mom sells Mary Kay but just so she can give the discount to her friends and yeah. I was like I love that woman give that woman the pink Cadillac like I love her also who's buying Mary Kay exactly is Mary, how bad is Mary Kay among the MLMs I don't think I think Mary Kay happened and, and another person said that um, they had sold Mary Kay or their mom had I don't remember like in the 90s or something and how it actually was like so great for her because it gave her some of that independence and also it was like a social thing for her yeah and i don't know i think now i think social media has probably made it worse because you it's easier to prey on people and it's almost and less personal really even though they're doing in-person parties but i don't know i think it didn't used to be maybe as nasty as it is mm. now it yeah yeah i think it's a lot easier to recruit people with social media so mm-hmm. there's uh, oversaturation yeah do your instagram lives i love the woman who had her husband do all the instagram lives, I, I, and he's sold out of everything i just yeah. cannot believe how ugly those clothes are they're so ugly and they got worse and the worse as leggings. they went the penis leggings were oh. so the bad leggings. i just <laughs> i remember even in 2012 i was like are we sure about this yeah leggings generally no uh, leggings are fine but the patterns yeah, on these puppies pink and orange are yeah. and then the tunics and mm. the it's tough. I follow someone on Instagram, a friend from college who sold LuLaRoe. And after she watched this, she posted, she posted like a Q&A and she said, I got out before I lost any money. I did have customers text me about their disintegrating leggings <gasps> after they had bought them for me, wow. like while they were wearing the them. stinky leggings. I love Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're wet. Like, what are they made of? I oh just- my oh. Ah, oh, what a nightmare. Yeah. But that's just like them ramping up too fast, right? It just yeah. got out of control. They had no model for growth. Yeah. And no one who knew what they were doing. Right. That chart where it was like the, I wish I knew the numbers, but between like 2016 to 2017, it's like from some million to like something billion dollars. Like, wow. It was just astronomical. And then that dude, I feel like we we have to just give a, a mention to the guy who was like the hype man. Sam? Oh, gosh. <laughs> from Sammy's? Wait. That's Sam? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wait, who used to make the pie shapes? Yes. Oh, wow. Was that pre or post LuLaRoe? Had to have been pre. Pre. Yeah. And then he, you know, got tricked into the fake pot farm. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, Bless that guy. Yeah. That guy was an idiot. He was. And I was cu- I was confused about him because he was like a nephew, but he seemed pretty willing to speak out against her. Yeah, he did. I, I thought was, that was interesting. I was kind of confused by him. Well, he got he cut off from yeah. the family. He like they, lose anymore. They talked about how he was, there was a cease and desist where he was not allowed to talk to her anymore. So I think he was just kind of like, whatever. But yeah. it's just a family of dum-dums. Yeah. Like that's what we're dealing with. It's just funny that I liked, I kind of liked him the whole time and then. Really? <laughs> and well, I didn't like him, but I, I liked like, him. He seems like a voice of reason and like, or, I don't know, he's like funny. He knows it was dumb. Except there were like, like sexual oh, yeah. assault, assault well, allegations against him, right. and that then happened in the pot farm, and then the pot farm, and not good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like not I think that guy movie. was an idiot. Well, and I was like, how did they get him to <laughs> to interview? Right, yeah. like, he had to have known that was going to come up. Yeah, maybe he's without a job. Yeah, <laughs> who like, among yes. us hasn't agreed to an interview? We later regret it. Yeah, that's Very true. true. Rebby, thanks so much for being here and talking Lula Rich with us. Of course. We always love it when you're here. Sorry we only to bring you in for emergency episodes. That's okay. This is just coming out like normal. Well, can we call it an emergency? Of course we'll call it an emergency. Emergency episode. But this is coming out of the regular schedule okay. day and time. Okay. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. We are still doing Labyrinth, so we'll do that. 
next week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.